Welcome, listeners. Thank you for joining me on Mama Pang's Parenting Podcast. Um, If you haven't already, please download, listen, share, and on iTunes, um, consider leaving a review. I'd really like to know how this is being received. Um, In the links below, you can also contact me. My information is there. I will share it again. It is mamapangspodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach me by phone, 574-386-7150. I'd like to hear um, maybe topics that you'd like discussed. discuss. Uh, if you have some thoughts to share about the topics that we've covered, or if you're just looking for some support. So on that topic today, we have a guest with us. Um, her name is Dr. Margaret Jessup. Welcome, Dr. Margaret Jessup. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am doing well. Fabulous. Fabulous. Thanks so much. Um, You know, Margaret, I've known you for several years now, um, more than four. (laughs) Uh, We we don't have to, you know, give a specific there. But, um, you know, we both have this shared desire um, to help children and families. So you are uh, a local child psychologist. And I would just like to hear, you know, share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do. Great. Thank you. Well, I actually am a transplant here to the South Bend area. I grew up in California and trained in California and have been working with children for most of my career. Uh, I started actually as a preschool teacher. That was my first job out of college and have always loved being with children and been inspired by them. And as I moved through my training, I I had a master's in developmental psychology first and um, really fell in love with attachment theory and understanding the way babies' brains uh, connect to their parents' brains and the way in which parents are uh, helping build the structure of how children um, connect with others as they grow. And that led me into wanting to pursue my um, doctoral degree. And then I specialized in working with children from there on out. Gotcha. Yeah. Then came to this area to work. I've been working here since I moved here. And I've been working in the field of psychology as a therapist for 20 years now. Oh, goodness. Isn't it funny when we look back and we're like, I've been doing this how long? I, know. I mean, come on. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, and it's so um, it's so exciting to have you in our area and, and to hear all the things that you're doing and sharing with families and kids. Um, you know, it's, it's just so needed, all this support. Um, one of the things that you have created is the topic I'd love to talk about today. Um, so you have this, this wonderful workbook and program called Hornets and Hippos. It's Hornets and Hippos, how to use imagination, mindfulness, and brain science to decrease fear and anger and reach your goals. So tell me, tell me about this. When was this, this brain born? So it is a fun story. I I have uh, been writing children's stories for a long time. And in my writing group, we were brainstorming about ideas. And um, I started thinking about the work I do in my clinical role. 
and how children are so uh, easy to use their imagination. And I was learning more and more about brain science and really wanting this information accessible for kids. And I started playing around with different characters uh, to introduce the ideas and stumbled onto Hornet, who is uh, the part of the brain that's super reactive and can sting and fly away. And Mm -hmm. then started playing around with the hippocampus. And of course, hippo just appeared magically. And, and that's, it really just happened as a brainstorm in, in writing children's books, but then it started to become um, how I introduced and worked with kids. And then all of the worksheets in the workbook um, are things I've been using in my practice for years. And um, it was so fun and so successful in, in my uh, individual work that I decided to go ahead and put it together as a workbook, and um, and then a lot has unfolded since then. So that's how it happened. I love it. I love it. It's just born out of this creative spirit, and and that's what you're talking about is how kids and adults uh, have that creative side, um, and how we can help children um, through that creativity and their imagination. So. I also feel like if we can put fun, if we can infuse fun in something as challenging as fear, uh, we're really in a new place with how we see the world. And and Hornets and Hippos has definitely got a lot of fun in there. It really does. And that's such a good point is that, you know, as you say, with play therapy, you know, we know kids can learn to express themselves and learn new things through play, that it's really this helpful tool. And it's, it's nice to bring that back. Um, focus. That, is, that focus. is a really good point. Yes, they do learn through play naturally without effort. I think the exposure to information with children who are using play is, is much fewer times before they, they integrate it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, this just does it without them even knowing. It's so beautiful. <laughs> It's just part of this play and this, this connection. And then those little light bulbs go on and you're like, yes, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. I think one of my favorite stories uh, early on when I started introducing it in my office was um, a child who had come to their parent soon after they had learned about uh, the Hornet and said to their parent, mom, I think your hornet is really big right now. And the parent was blown away by Mm -hmm. the child's ability to communicate what they were feeling when the parent got reactive. And I'm like, okay, okay, this is a good thing. (laughs) Giving them that, that language to communicate with is so huge because I, you know, I know, you know, and, and parents get it, but having it kind of pointed out is, you know, giving them a language, a way to communicate their feelings and their thoughts around it is so helpful. And that's what I love about the fact that it's a hornet and a hippo, because those are so relatable for kids. It's true. And and I also love that after spending uh, time introducing the hornet concept, and I, I should probably back up and say that the workbook now has moved into workshops and classes And we'll get to the halfway point, and we've really learned a lot about that little part in the brain, that amygdala, that that is the hornet. And then 
all of a sudden the kids are like, well, what's the hippo? And I'm like, okay, we've got them. They're ready. They want to go deeper into the brain. And that is, that is also a really fun moment when they're really getting it and wanting more. Right. Right. That is, that is so true. I'm glad you brought up um, the trainings because that's something I wanted to um, kind of point out for me. So about four years ago, um, you trained me in how to present and use the Hornets and Hippos program. Um, and from that, I know you use it in a specific way with, you know, some offshoots and things. And I've come to use it kind of in a specific way with, again, some hopeful offshoots here. But I would love to start off telling the listeners um, how you use this program and, you know, tell a little bit about the workbook itself and then, again, how you use it. And don't forget to tell them um, where they could get the workbook. Okay. Uh, can I back up too and just say that one of the reasons I'm I'm so excited to be talking with you right now is you were the first teacher, I think, who, teacher by training and also now a, a parenting um, support specialist. And you were the first one who could, re- you, you came to me and you could see the value in this. And I really was honored by the fact that that uh, happened for you. And so I've been really blessed to have you presenting this information out there in any way that you've been able to connect it with other people. Um, and right around the time when I was developing this and, and uh, was learning more of ways to present it, it was um, presented through one of our local brain training programs and was helped, I got help developing it into a workshop. Um, through BrainWorks, in case anybody remembers that wonderful organization. And um, so it was piloted there, and it ran as a four-week class, one-time-a-week class. Since then, Mm -hmm. it has um, become, uh, it's a two-Saturday event, basically, and we go through about half the workbook on the first uh, two-and-a-half-hour class, and then we take a couple weeks to practice those Hornet skills. And then we come back again and then go through the second half. And we're also adding in a lot of hands-on activities. We learn how to make brain neurons. We go yes. on a, a brain safari. And, um, mm-hmm. and we do some uh, activities where we, um, we have a lot of engagement, physical activities and um, creative activities. So it, it does seem to go by really quickly for kids. And the parents also, I think, enjoy um, having these hands-on activities to do. So, and yeah. I, I want to jump in right there because I think um, that's a big piece for parents that are listening to know for your workshops and for the way I present Um, This is a parent-child, parents and child interaction, right? Right, right. Absolutely. That's part of the key of learning this and having the language around it and and being able to to grow it. Um, So that is is really helpful. I really appreciate um, all the pieces that you do in these presentations. How... um, what, what is the takeaway? What do you find after your, your um, presentations where you're doing it in two sections on two different Saturdays? What, what's that aha or that takeaway that you hear? 
I think the, the most important um, take home is making the connection between stress and the changes in the body. Yes. So much of our culture thinks of stress as this sort of thing we can't touch or can't understand, or it's just sort of hovering over us. And I really like the idea of kids, especially, but also adults to understand that all it really is, is a change in some function in the body. For example, uh, heart rate going up and blood flow out to the arms and the legs, breathing is changing. And, you know, often I'll say to people in the workshops, when you're scared or when you're angry, how do you know it? How do you know you're angry? And they look at me like, what do you mean? How do I know it? <laughs> yeah, you're really asking them to, to come aware to make that connection. And it's so funny because I think a lot of times people are kind of, I don't want to say numb to it, but it's like they don't realize. Um, I know looking at someone, right? I can kind of read a little bit of their emotion going on because I'm seeing it physically manifest. Actually, that's another really good point in that we do feel and see other people's emotional shifts very easily. That's part of being in this social world. But I think the reason it's sometimes hard to, to connect these, these things initially is that they're happening so automatically because our brain is so amazing in its ability to do that, that it happens so quickly that we don't make the connection. It just feels so immediate. But mm -hmm. once you start to get a sense of, oh, yeah, I can feel where my body takes that change. And for some people, they feel it more in their bellies. And some people, they feel it more in their chest or their shoulders. And then the strategies are all geared towards tuning into that part of the body. Mm -hmm. And when people get that aha, it really shifts their ability to feel like, I got this. I know what to do. Isn't my body amazing? Right. And and rather than feeling like, why has my body failed me? Exactly. Oh, I absolutely love that perspective shift because I think, um, yeah, I think we're kind of like, I don't want to say brainwashed, but yet it kind of feels that way sometimes into just, you know, if something's come up, it, it's, uh, there's a blame sense. And why is my body not doing this? Why am I, why do I feel so overwhelmed or so shaky or so, you know, especially when it's little kids, right? right? They're trying to really understand those emotions. And you just, the workbook and the way it's presented really helps kids and then parents make that connection, right? And, and feel um, where it happens in the body. Then you can kind of almost get that sense of, I can feel this coming on. Right. With different choices around it, you know, acknowledging, oh, that's that emotion. Oh, that's where that comes out. And then, oh, instead of tantruming or um, shutting down, right, they have that option to go, oh, I can, you know, label it. I can name it to tame it. And I know what part of my brain it's happening in. And, and then the beautiful part, one of the things I absolutely love in the workbook is the tool that you present. The, the mindful meds tools. The mindful meds, the um, the acronym meds, yeah, goes a long way. So, if we can share one, um, my pick would be: Can you talk a little bit about 
the acronym MEDS from the oh. book. Just kind of give that overview. Sure. So uh, it's MEDS, no MEDS required, actually. It's MED, M-E-D-S. The M is movement. Movement, of course, being that number one thing that helps take all that energy that the brain has now put out there to help you survive mm -hmm. and use the, use the energy rather than having it sit in the body and starting to feel uncomfortable. Um, right. Movement also, of course, integrates both hemispheres of the brain. So it gets the thinking part and the emotional part connecting and working better. Mm -hmm. And it, it has so many advantages, but movement is, is uh, the M. Um, the E is exhale. And breathing, again, is pretty amazing. It's done automatically. And when you breathe in, your heart rate goes up slightly. Mm -hmm. And when you breathe out, your heart rate goes down slightly, which is pretty amazing. So when we extend our exhale and make it longer, kind of like a yawn, or like blowing on a pinwheel or a dandelion, when that mm -hmm. exhale is long, you can bring your heart rate down. Right. Um, drinking water is just that really simple way we attend to the belly. So if you are someone who feels it in your belly, taking water in soothes it, relaxes it, helps it know that you're in a safe place. Yes. And then the squat spot, which is probably the one that's every, I get a little bit of an eyebrow lift, like what's that? <laughs> um, if you are familiar at all with uh, yoga practice, um, you can you can make do a squat spot in like a child's pose or um, basically just think of yourself like little kids, how they can so easily squat down with their chest pressed against their knees Mm -hmm. Um, so it can be done also sitting in a chair. If you just put your chest and lie it down over your legs, um, okay. all of those positions will put pressure on a nerve in your heart that will slow your heart rate down. So it's like your super, um, fast way to, uh, bring real, real heavy duty, um, well, overwhelm feeling to rest, Mm -hmm. And I always put the little disclaimer in there that if you come down into a squat spot to stand up slowly yeah. <laughs> so that you don't get too lightheaded because it right. really works. It really does. Can you name that nerve for all we brain geeks out here? Sure. It's the vagus nerve. I know kids really like the science part too. Absolutely. It's such a beautiful thing. And I, I so love this technique, these, these techniques within here. So meds, um, I know that was probably my big, when we started talking about this and, and you were offering to train me in it, it was like, as a former teacher, I could just see meds specifically being so useful to teachers. Right. It, and, and luckily I've been so fortunate. Um, there is a local private school that I've been able to go in and train all the staff, teachers, office staff, um, everybody there in uh, hornets and hippos. And then to really show them how meds was going to help in their, their issues within the classroom. And so for me, you know, my big thing, I, I taught elementary school for many years, 13, I believe, if I'm counting. Uh, and one of the biggest issues is that 
misunderstanding I think teachers have. We we tend to want to have this control within our classroom, like you need to have certain level of control or it becomes chaos. Um, but we were over controlling in a situation where kids actually needed some of these tools and the ability to use them. So meds for a child that is, you know, having a fearful moment or being um, overwhelmed with a big emotion, something very stressful, some anxiety or fear is to let them know movement is okay. Right. Because that's a natural thing happening in the body. Your body, you know, all that blood is sent to the extremities and then we're, you know, well, sit still. (laughs) It's like, it's so counterintuitive once you understand why they can't. Um, And then the ease of using meds within a classroom, but also within your own home is, is huge to me. It's like, if you understand meds, you can say, okay, we have four tools right here. And I, I think we're having some big emotions or I see there's something happening. I hope you're kind of tuning in. Was that your hornet brain going off? Um, And then what can you do? So you can move, you can exhale, you can drink some water, or we can get into this squat spot. And all four of those are so doable within the flow of a classroom without creating disruption and allowing a child to help center themselves again. I, and I would say, too, just to be compassionate towards our teachers who are just amazing folks and really ha- doing so much for our children, it, it's got to be hard to have not only the attention of all the children and then wondering what adults might pop into the classroom at any time, almost like that image of a fishbowl comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand the the back and forth teachers must, must go through in, in trying to both attend to a calm classroom, but also understanding what their little bodies of these children need. And I, I think what we're seeing, we're seeing a huge increase in classrooms, letting kids have water bottles, which I, I think that's changed over the past year or two. And um, I think that as teachers recognize that they need to move their bodies sometimes, yeah. you're seeing a lot of teachers walking on their breaks sometimes. And I feel like this shift is really starting and so I'm, I was glad to hear that you could see that these were really simple strategies that could be easily integrated into the classroom setting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, as a, as a teacher, it's like you hear these things and you think, oh, there's one more thing for me to do. Like it's an add on, like it's a, you know, um, right. it's going to be checked off. Did you do this? And it, it isn't that at all. It's so easily integrated into the daily flow of a classroom. And once teachers, you know, they, they're all amazing people and they're all looking for best practices and ways to make connections with their kids. And so once they just heard this, it was just, you know, it's, this is easy. This is doable. This fits into my routine. And like you said, you're seeing so much more of it. Yes. Water bottles, um, are becoming more accessible within the classroom. But the reason why always helps a teacher, not just, oh, I'm thirsty. It's it's something that helps to calm me. It helps to focus that. And then we all know um, when you're not in that reactive brain 
full time, then you're able to do the learning, right? We pull in our horn or our hippo brain and we can start making these connections and then we can get up farther to that prefrontal cortex. And that's where we want to hang out as teachers. We're trying to, you know, get all of that in. That's right. No, and that's the fun part about playing with this hornet and hippo concept is that, you know, hornet being reactive, hippo being curious and you know, the brain can really only be in one mode or the other. And so, you know, another takeaway from the workbook is that, you know, we're really working towards finding ways to stay curious. And teachers want nothing more than curious kids. And, And so if they can think there are simple ways to get them back to curious mode and that that's the mode where learning is absorbed, right? The hippocampus being partly where memory consolidation is beginning, Mm -hmm. um, they really are on board with wanting that for their kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, and two with parents, it's the same way, you know, these easy pieces that we can talk about as we see our children, you know, dealing with some of this to just be able to pull these tools out and go, Oh, you know, and, and I, I was encouraged my parents to put it to themselves to demonstrate, to model, you know, mom is feeling or dad is starting to feel, you know, that hornet brain is really going off. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sit in a squat spot for 10 seconds, or I'm going to go get a drink of water till I feel calmer, or I'm going to focus on my breath for a couple minutes. That's the other piece I love. I love teaching little kids about the exhale. (laughs) It's such a beautiful thing because if you tell kids you want to talk about an exhale. What's the first thing they do? They inhale. (laughs) It's like, okay. And, you know, those little techniques of, like you said, blowing on a pinwheel or uh, blowing out a a candle, like pretend you're holding a candle as your fingers, a candle, and you're blowing it out. That's your exhale. But really giving those parents the ability to demonstrate these things too and help their kids connect with it. It's just it's so powerful and it's such a beautiful concept that you created. And so, um, what's the word I'm normalizing. Normalizing. It's it's everybody, this, um, ability to talk about our stress and our fears and our anxieties and make it, you know, this is just part of being human. Right. Well, and actually that I, I don't use words like symptoms, um, in the workbook at all. In fact, I've turned it all around as this idea of this is just your body uh, learning to survive. It's just your body Mm -hmm. is surviving. And I would love there to be a day where we don't even diagnose anxiety disorders. We just have survival ability and we just want to turn it on when we need it. And we want to turn it off when we don't. That is so perfect. As somebody that deals with anxiety herself and in her family, I love that because you know, it, it, everybody has anxiety, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that beautiful concept that you just said of it's there to keep you alive. Right. And sometimes we need it, but sometimes it's maybe on overdrive and we need to have those skills to help turn it back off. 
And, and that sort of ties right back into almost all of the children's stories, right? Kids, mm-hmm. have, how many monsters are there in the closet or under the bed? Or, you know, it's, it's so profound in our children's literature that their imagination turns things on, but their imagination can also turn things off. Right, right. Love that. There's a, a wonderful mindful moment in the book um, that we might have to jump to in a part two. I don't know, but um, uh, it's the hug. Oh yeah. And that is so powerful. When you do that, um, I presented to a group of uh, adults at another school and was so beautiful asking these parents to go back or parents, teachers to go back and remember a hug and that that can be carried with you for times when you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious, and you can access that feeling for calming. And I actually had a teacher in that group. It brought her to tears. Yeah. Because it's so powerful, those emotions that flood back of that calming, soothing, comforted, you know, I'm okay, I'm grounded. And we don't, I don't think we tap into that often enough. And it's it's always there. It's always accessible. Yeah, it really is. And um, it's so nice for even groups, I think, sometimes to see some of that vulnerability that comes out. And Mm -hmm. um, it's nice to bring that up, too, though, you know, just in case uh, anyone does find emotion arising in any kind of mindful practice, um, that that is really normal and part of the finding the connection back to your body. Um, And, you know, if anyone is interested in in hearing those, they are all recorded on uh, the Hornet and Hippo YouTube channel. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah, they're all in there. So the workbook has them written out so parents can read them to their children if they want to do them in that kind of a format. But if a family wants to do it together, they can click on to the YouTube channel and just listen and um, and make it real easy for them that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're perfect. And I've had teachers, like I said, that um, they also like to use them in the classroom. Oh, know, the brain them. break. That's right. I did record a two-minute brain break on mm-hmm. there as well. So if teachers need a couple minutes to change gears, they can click that on and have the kids doing a little breathing reset uh to get the brain ready to to learn the next thing Mm -hmm. which is it you know again i just i love every piece of it it's just amazing um i think we'll wind wind this up a little bit here um by just talking about how parents and caregivers can access your information and your style and then i'll share um a little bit of how i do my style And then if possible, Margaret, I would so love to have kind of a part two because there's um, a piece at the end of the book that's really specifically for parents and it's called Seeds. And I would love to have another podcast. So if you're available, we'll kind of schedule that. Sure. That would be great. Thank you so much. No, thank you. So share a little (laughs) or tell me either way. Um, Again, how you present yours and how parents can access your information, and then I'll share mine. Sure. So I do have a website. It's just my name, Margaret Jessup, P-S-Y-D.com. 
and I update that website with upcoming events. Um, I also have a newsletter that you can join, which is also uh, found at my website under the Hornet and Hippo section. And currently I'm running uh, virtual workshops. The first one ran uh, last month and I'll be running probably two in May, one for sure. And I've got another one I'm scheduling right now. Um, So you can actually go through the whole thing from the comfort of your home. Um, And then the workbooks are are available. There's three places you can get them. Two local stores are carrying them, um, Beyond Zen Studio. And when it, when we all open back up and the, the brain layer has um, the local bookstore and then they're available on Amazon and um, you can get them at my office too. Once we, we reopened for face-to-face meetings. There you go. Perfect. That's, it's really helpful um, that we have these options of how to get the workbook. Um, again, the workbook is called. Hornets and Hippos, How to Use Imagination, Mindfulness, and Brain Science to Decrease Fear and Anger and Reach Your Goals. Um, And it's by Margaret Jessup. So um, parents have the ability to get the workbook. They um, They can go to your website, sign up for newsletters, and they can also do these virtual classes. And as you said, you typically run them in... um, are you running your virtuals in two sections or is it just one full? So I'm actually, I added one new thing. I'm, I'm doing two sections and then I've added a third meeting because of this new technology. I'm doing just an hour of parenting uh, with the last chapter of the book, basically. So this is, this is the advantage to new, new things happening in our world. (laughs) Right. Right. There are advantages to this new technology that we're all forced to use right now. Right. So um, as, as I said, I was able to have you um, train me to share how this works and what to do with it. And so for my services, so I'm again, a parenting support specialist. I'm not a therapist, but I'm somebody that can come in and help you um, through some situations and then maybe, uh, point you if it if it goes further that you really want to talk to a specific therapist obviously I have Margaret's connection um so I have done the hornets and hippos um more on a one-on-one basis so it's a family setting and again we've typically um divided it up into the four sections and that way it does like you said it allows some time to process and practice some of the new techniques that you've learned, you know, in the workbook. And I, I think what's been important for me, um, the workbook is really accessible. I think parents can do it. What I've often heard them say is, well, I bought the workbook. I love it, but I need some help making that connection with my child sometimes. And I think parents are really living this right now. Sometimes our kids don't want us to teach those new things. Like they want to see you just as mom or dad or caregiver. And so it helps to have that third person come in and do the, the teaching of it. Right. I agree. Yeah, it does. It just makes it go a little deeper. And plus you're just setting that time aside for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, It's been really helpful. And then, um, I have, I have done, uh, 
like outreach meetings, you know, where it's a group setting. But for me, I typically just introduce that there is this workshop because I have always found, again, for me in a group, parents take in the information. And then as soon as I'm done, they all want 30 or 40 minutes to, <laughs> to you know, make this applicable directly to them. Right. For sure. So those are the, the ways that it differs a little bit. Um, and then I have been able to take it, uh, like I said, to a lo- local private school. And it has just been huge um, there. They are using it for that um, social emotional learning piece. And the teachers love it. The kids, I'm so amazed because it's a K through eight um, private school. And the kids, you know, you kind of wonder, is everybody going to be on board? <clears throat> and the the um, interest in it has just been huge. I, I was so thrilled. And I know a piece that they're currently working on is to now bring the parents um, the training so that then we're able to use it, you know, at home, at school, and really integrate it to what the kids are experiencing. That's so, super exciting. It, it really is. I'm thrilled. Um, so, Margaret, thank you so much for your time. This is just so helpful. And I, you know me, I absolutely adore hornets and hippos and um, what you've created for all of us. So um, I'm going to sign off on our podcast and we'll just know that we're going to connect again and um, keep talking about the rest of it. So again, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to Mama Pang's Parenting Podcast. Again, uh, in the links below, you can find a way to contact me, but I'll give you again that it's mamapangspodcast at gmail.com and it's 574-386-7150. Take care and be well.